Hello, Miami Dolphin fans. Welcome to the same old Dolphin show, now part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I'm Josh Katzker. With me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. Brain, I am on vacation. Hell yeah. Yes, it is vacation time. No work until the new year. It's fantastic. But a special shout out to everybody who does need to work and who's who's putting in the hard hours and, and doesn't get to take the break this time of year. Shout out to all of you for working hard and doing what you need to do to pay the bills. As I'm recording this episode, I am in the great Pacific Northwest, uh, just, just south of Seattle, Washington, getting ready to uh, spend the Christmas holiday with my wife's family up here in the Pacific Northwest, in the heart of Seahawks country. Um, So, uh, you know, there is a little bit of playoff fever going on up here in Seattle where the Seahawks, I think, need to win. I think just need to win one of their final two games to clinch a playoff spot. It's not quite as clean and easy as that. I think they need a couple other results to go their way. But uh, if if they win this Sunday against... Kansas City, I think they are into the playoffs and, you know, then they will pretty much be locked into one of those two NFC wildcard spots. It's been an uphill climb this season for Seattle, being that they share a division with the uh, Los Angeles Rams, who have been, who were red hot for the first part of the season. They've cooled off a little bit here down the stretch, have not been looking so good. And it makes you wonder whether or not they are, in fact, actually a viable Super Bowl contender. But that's neither here nor there. We're here to record this show because the Miami Dolphins also have a shot at the playoffs, albeit a slim shot, but they they do have an opportunity. And uh, they've got two more games left this season, including what I believe is an eminently winnable game against Jacksonville at home this Sunday. And when you talk about the Dolphins and you talk about them coming off of what has been a brutal stretch of road games for them, but just road performances this year have been pretty, pretty dire for the Miami Dolphins. This, this game against Minnesota, as we talked about in the last episode, was pretty much um, a pretty good summary of what this season has been like for the Miami Dolphins, just on the road anyway, just really struggling defensively, just been a mess. So they come into this game with Jacksonville, and there are really, I think, two possibilities here. One is that the Jacksonville offense could be the cure for what ails the Miami Dolphins' defense, which has been struggling. But the other possibility is that the Miami Dolphins' defense might be the cure for what ails the Jacksonville Jaguars' offense. So we'll talk about all of that. We'll also, at the very end, we'll we'll just give you a brief rundown of what the playoff possibilities are for the Miami Dolphins. Again, it's going to take a lot of... The Dolphins are going to need a lot of help in order to squeeze their way into the playoffs. Um, The biggest thing is that it really starts with needing to win their final two games. And that includes this Sunday at Jackson uh, at home against Jacksonville. And then the season regular season finale on the road against Buffalo, which is always a tough place to play regardless of when the game is. And the fact that it's going to be played on uh, almost new year's Eve in Buffalo going to be cold. 
it uh, that's going to be a, a tough game for the Dolphins. But we'll, we'll talk about that game when we get to it. Let's talk about what is in front of us first, which is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Brand, the Jaguars have had a pretty dismal season. Thinking about the fact that they were only one quarter away from making it to the Super Bowl last season. Now they're one of a handful of teams in the NFL with absolutely nothing to play for in these final couple of weeks. And they're just trying to play out these last two games. Folks are trying to stay healthy so they can get out there and find warmer climates and play some golf in the offseason. Yeah, and what's truly incredible about the way the Jacksonville Jaguars season has played out is that four weeks through the season, you could have pretty much asked any expert around the league and they would have said the Jags are one of the top five or six teams in the NFL based off of what they did last year, based off of the fact that they started three and one. They did have a a tough, close loss to the Titans, but they had they had a convincing victory against New England early in the season. They the defense looked as dominant as ever and through the first four weeks of the season, Blake Bortles looked like a guy who had earned his contract extension and looked like a guy who was on his way to really fulfilling the promise uh, that that he had you know, built up when he was drafted third overall by the Jaguars just a few years ago. He finally looked like he was coming into his own, and it was like, man, this, this Jacksonville defense now – now they finally have a quarterback, Blake Bortles, playing at a Pro Bowl level. And boy, did that go down in flames in a hurry. I mean, they've lost nine out of ten games. Bortles, you know, did what Bortles does. He Blake Bortled, and he got benched, then came back and got benched again. Cody Kessler, I mean, it might as well be Blake Bortles back there. I mean, they've they've got nothing. Obviously, they've they've had their their injuries with with uh, Leonard Fournette, uh, and that's affected their uh, their running game, which was their game plan coming into the season was to be this team that would that would win games on the strength of their running game and their defense, and that really just hasn't happened. The defense is still very good, but it's not nearly what it was last year. They're not forcing as many turnovers, they're not getting as many sacks, but they're not being helped out by the offense. That's turning the ball over at an accelerated rate. Last year, uh, they had, what was it, a plus 10 uh, turnover rate ratio. And this year, they're they're like tied for 29th in the league at minus 12. And that's, that's the biggest difference. I mean, they're not getting as many sacks. They're not getting as many takeaways. They're turning the ball over. And when you add all those things up, what you end up with is – just a massive swing from where they were last year to where they are this year. So they come in, you know, I think pretty much on cruise control, pretty much with not a lot riding on this game against the Dolphins. It, it, it you know, it really does look like they're just trying to get to the finish line without really incurring any, any damage you know, as far as injury wise, and it seems like there is going to be a lot of reshuffling of the deck in Jag in Jacksonville in the off season. So, with that in mind, with the Dolphins, you know, theoretically fighting for a playoff spot, it makes you think that 
this is really a game that the Dolphins should win. And they're going to be coming out with something to prove in particular they're, they're coming they're playing at home where they're autumn where they're always a better team anyway they're coming off of um, another pretty dire possibly their worst performance all around this season I mean it's right up there with that New England game I mean this was this was a pretty bad showing from the Dolphins on both sides of the ball so they're coming in with a lot of proof a lot to prove and I think that gives the Dolphins uh, a distinct advantage. But I think the toughest thing for the Dolphins is going to be, how are they going to move the football? When you look at Jacksonville, Jacksonville is the number six defense in the league when it comes to yards allowed per game, only allowing 318 yards a game total. And then when it comes to passing, they're number two in the league, 198.9 yards allowed through the air. That's so pretty... Pretty good at shutting down the passing game, the Jaguars. But here's where the door opens up. The Jaguars are 19th in the NFL in rushing yards allowed per game, 119.6 yards per game. And this is where it's going to be, I think, this is where the key is for the Miami Dolphins. Now, the Dolphins are going to need to adjust because Frank Gore suffered that ankle injury versus Minnesota. He's out for the remaining two games of this season. So the focus shifts to Kenyon Drake. But I think more than that, it's probably shifting a lot to Kalen Balaj, who got the bulk of the carries after Gore left the game last week versus Minnesota. So I think we can expect to see Kalen Balaj a lot in this game as the Dolphins establish the run game. And if if they've got Kalen Balaj in a lot on regular packages, we know that Balaj is the guy they like to use in the wild card, uh, the wildcat format. It makes me wonder if we won't see a bit more of the Wildcats shuffled in, maybe even out of, maybe see some trickery out of more standard looking formations with Bellage on the field as it is. So I think you shuffle in Bellage, you get Brandon Bolden in there a little bit, maybe the Dolphins can mix it up. But again, with a focus on the ground game, I think that might be the avenue for the Dolphins to have success when they have the football. What are your thoughts on that, Brain? I was thinking the same thing. I think we're going to see a heavy dose of the Wildcat. I think that the Dolphins' only chance to win this game is to run the football. They are not going to have success throwing the ball. Um, you're going up against not just a really good Jaguar secondary, but even though it's a pass rush that hasn't been as good as they were a year ago, it's still a, dyna a dynamic pass rush. and You've seen, after watching the game last week, that the Dolphins can't really handle the blitz. And if I'm Jacksonville and I'm, I'm not scared of the Dolphins receivers, I'm going to put Jalen Ramsey on whichever Dolphins receiver I find to be the biggest threat. So whether that's Kenny Stills or Devontae Parker, probably Kenny Stills. I'm going to put Jalen Ramsey on Kenny Stills and... I'm just going to I'm going to blitz and I'm going to blitz and I'm going to blitz and I'm going to blitz every single time the Dolphins are in an obvious passing down. And so what that tells me is that the Dolphins just need to run the ball. And this is going to be one of those uh, if, if the Dolphins aren't able to run the ball, it's going to be a really ugly game for the for the Dolphins offense, because the only way that the Dolphins are going to win this game is by running the ball and taking care of the ball. And the only way that they're going to lose this game is by turning the ball over, really. 
Um, so yeah, I, I think there's opportunities. I, I think you're right that they're going to use the Wildcat. I think it's going to be Kalen Bellage running between the tackles, but I do think you'll see a lot of Kenyon Drake in misdirection. I do think you'll see some of Brandon Bolden, and I think you'll see some some misdirection, some trickery, because I think that's been the M.O. of Adam Gase this year is that when the Dolphins need to, to manufacture a big play – They've been able to do so with some trick plays. And if they could do it once or twice over the course of the game, then that might be enough against a team that struggles to to get to 20 in Jacksonville. Yeah, that's been the key for the Dolphins this season when it comes to scoring. It's They've really done it on a handful of big, explosive plays. The Dolphins haven't been a team that has methodically moved the ball up and down the field and you know, just chipped away. The Dolphins are a team that that happens to be able to every now and again hit a big chunk play that can turn into six. And and that's what I think they're going to be looking to do against Jacksonville this week. On the other side of the ball, I think the obvious the obvious area of focus for Jacksonville is going to be they need to run the ball against the Dolphins. Dolphins are Historically bad against the run this year, allowing 145.2 yards per game on the ground. Jacksonville with a great running back who has really not had a very good season, quite frankly, Leonard Fournette, at least by his lofty standards. And I would think I would expect Jacksonville to give give him the ball as much as possible. The Jacksonville passing game is absolutely nothing to write home about. It's actually arguably gotten worse since Bortles lost his job to Cody Kessler. The uh, the, the receivers in Jacksonville are, are nothing special. And I think if Jacksonville is looking for to have success against this Dolphins defense, it's going to be on the ground. Yeah, uh, because the strength of the Dolphins defense as well as their secondary. Um, And we have seen all year long teams just gash the Dolphins in the running game. Now, the the silver lining for the Dolphins is that when you look at, I mean, one, Leonard Fournette has not had a good year, and the Jaguars have struggled to run the ball. Uh, Their most effective runner this season, really their two most effective runners this season, have been TJ Yeldon and Blake Bortles. Uh, But... Uh, you know, Fournette, uh, who I guess was limited early in the week in practice, was a full participant uh, yesterday in practice. So he looks like he's a full go. Um, but what you see with the Dolphins is the teams where they've the games where they've really struggled to stop the run have been games where they've also had to worry about the pass. And this appears to be one of those games where. The Dolphins should probably just sell out and stopping the run. Now, that's not really their M.O., but the few times that they've done it in games, really, it's been against the Jets. <laughs> when you look at it, it's the, it's the two games against the Jets and then uh, a little bit early on in the season, the game against Tennessee. Those games where the Dolphins really focused on stopping the run, they've been able to do it. And I think that that will be the game plan in this one. And I don't think that that Jacksonville will just run all over them. Of course, if I mean, it's a possibility because you know that that's what Jacksonville is going to try to do. And it's not like the Dolphins have been a good run defense. So it wouldn't shock me if 
you know, Leonard Fournette goes out and has the best game of his season. And if that happens, then the odds are that Jacksonville is going to win this game. But we haven't seen Jacksonville have the propensity to do that. And we've seen that when the Dolphins really show no respect for the opposing team's passing game and load up on the run and don't play a particularly good quarterback, that their defense has had really good success. So in that regard, it it really reminds me of those games against the Jets, which were games where the Dolphins defense really dominated. So I think that brings us to prediction time. I'll let you go first in this one, Brain. Jaguars at Dolphins, who you got? I think this one's going to be ugly. I know that the Jaguars are are kind of in, in full tank mode, but the defense is still playing fairly inspired football. Um, but they just can't score. And the Dolphins, with still something to play for, and the the difference in what this team has looked like at home versus on the road, I do believe that the Dolphins, uh, at least on the defensive side of the ball, will take advantage of their the fact that they've got an edge on that side of the ball. Uh, so I think we're going to see a good game by the defense. I just don't know what we're going to see out of the Dolphins offense, because I, I think if this is a game where the Dolphins can't get their running game going, uh, they're going to struggle to move the ball. Uh, but I think we're going to see a lot of wildcat. I think the Dolphins, you know, it, it might be a surprise to you, but the Dolphins are actually fifth in the league in yards per rushing attempt this year. Um, and, They've actually been more consistent as the season has progressed, uh, being able to run the ball between the tackles. And I know that this offensive line gets much maligned, uh, but they've done a decent job opening up holes for the running backs, whether it's been Frank Gore or Kalen Balaj or, or occasionally Kenyon Drake. Uh, they've been a fairly good run-blocking offensive line. I don't know what happens to them in these short yardage situations, but they've been really good running the ball, particularly on first down. Uh, so, and and I think that they're. It wouldn't shock me if they were able to hit a couple of plays on some trick plays, and I think that's what's going to be the difference. I also think, you know, the Dolphins. Why are they where they're at right now, record-wise? the two biggest reasons that they have salvaged this season and they are, and that they are still alive is one, their defense's ability to turn the, to, to force turnovers and two, the play of their special teams, whether it's the, the kicking game with, you know, just taking advantage of, of every opportunity you have to get points. Jason Sanders has had a phenomenal rookie year and also uh, you know, kick coverage, punting, kicking the ball out of the end zone, not giving up bad field possession. Um, I think the Dolphins will will play the field position game. I think Jason Sanders will kick a few field goals. I think we'll win the turnover margin, and the Dolphins will come away with a home victory. It'll be an ugly one. It'll be a low-scoring one, but I've got the Dolphins winning this one 13-10. to 10. Man, I, you know, I was about to predict basically the same thing. I said, I was thinking that this game was going to look a lot like the Dolphins win over the Jets at Hard Rock Stadium, where there wasn't an offensive touchdown scored all day. The only points scored were on a pick six, or the only touchdown came from a pick six. And that's what I was, that's where I was going. But since that's what you predicted, 
it wouldn't be right for me to make that same prediction. I should go out on my own and So what you're saying is you're about to give a prediction that you have a- that you absolutely don't believe in. That's not necessarily true because there is part of me that thinks this is possible. Okay. Do I think it's probable? No, but it's certainly possible. And basically what that is is that the Miami Dolphins offense finds a way to run wild running the ball. They're able to establish the run game early on and start gashing the Jacksonville defense on the ground, and that that will in turn open up the passing game and allow Ryan Tannehill to make a couple of deep connections and the Miami Dolphins romp on Sunday at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm going to say the Dolphins are going to win this game at home by a score of 34 to 12. Wow. 34 to 12. And at least in terms of the Dolphins, they're going to keep their playoff hopes alive. Now, it's possible that by the end of this game, their playoff hopes might be dead, even if they win. But, you know, for, for our purposes, we're going to say they keep their hopes alive. Let's talk about the playoff scenarios because it's, it's difficult for the Dolphins, but it's not impossible. It's not an impossible situation. They just need a lot of help. So let's, Sort of go. Basically, the deal is that right now, the Ravens, Colts, and Titans are all sitting there at eight and six. Uh, and the Dolphins are sitting there at seven and seven. The Dolphins need to finish in a tie with three or four of those teams. That's the way the Dolphins make it into the wild card. They need to finish at nine and seven. Well, they need to finish at a tie or better than all of those teams. I think it's unlikely to to assume that all those teams are going to end up at eight and eight and the Dolphins are going to end up at nine and seven. It's possible the Dolphins could end up at nine and seven, but I think the other part of that equation is unlikely. So the Dolphins need the Ravens, Colts, and Titans to all drop a game at some point in the last two weeks. So that's what they need. The Ravens are away at LA this week. The Titans are at home versus Washington. And the Colts are at home versus the uh, the Giants. If somehow the Ravens, Colts, and Titans all lose this week, the Dolphins would then pretty much control their own destiny if they win their game against Jacksonville. They would be assured of the wild card spot if they won in Week 17 versus Buffalo. Uh, if so, that's that's the big thing. So the Dolphins want all of those teams. To lose this week. Uh, let's see. If if the Ravens and Titans lose this week while the Colts win this week, then that keeps the Dolphins alive. If the Titans and Colts don't both win, basically a situation where the Titans and Colts both win this week eliminates the Dolphins from playoff contention because the Titans and Colts play each other in week 17. So if both of them win this week, that means they're both uh, nine and six heading into the final game, which means that no matter what, the worst they could finish would be nine, six and one. The Dolphins, the best they could finish would be nine and seven, which would eliminate the Dolphins from wildcard position. So they need the Titans and Colts to lose either this week, but they need one of those two teams at least to lose this week. If they both win, the Dolphins playoff hopes are dashed. That's really where it where it rides. They also want the Ravens to lose a game as well because they would lose a head-to-head tiebreaker with the Colts. 
um, while they would win a head-to-head tiebreaker with the Titans. But uh, the, really, the key is, you know, they need the Ravens to lose as well because the Ravens have the game up on them at eight and six currently. So that's sort of where we're at as far as the wild card. There is also, believe it or not, and granted, this scenario is even even harder to believe. There is also a scenario where the Dolphins can still win the AFC East. Again, exceedingly unlikely. The Dolphins would need to win their final two games and then have the New England Patriots drop their final two games at home to Buffalo and the Jets. Again, really unlikely, um, I think. But, I mean, I think that might be something fun to keep an eye on. Should Buffalo somehow manage the impossible, what seems like the impossible, and win on Sunday in Foxborough, and the Dolphins beat the Jaguars, the Dolphins go into Week 17 with the AFC East in play, which is, I, I frankly, says a lot more about where the Patriots are um, than it does about the Dolphins. But we'll see what happens. I Again, not holding my breath for any of these scenarios is going to take a lot of help. The big thing is that the Dolphins need to go out and handle their business on Sunday versus Jacksonville. And if they can do that, maybe they'll get some help from their friends around the league. And the Dolphins may be able to find themselves in position to make that push for the playoffs in the final week of the season. And if nothing else, at least that game in the final week of the season would mean something, which, you know, hey, that's that's at least something, right? To have the Week 17 game be meaningful, which is more than what we can say for most of the time over the past however many decades it's been since the Dolphins have been consistently a playoff contender. So I think that's pretty much all there is to say uh, this week. I guess, well, you know what? We'd be remiss if we didn't shout out Xavier Howard for making the Pro Bowl, Brain. Not terribly surprising, yeah. but I mean, a well-deserved Pro Bowl berth for Xavier Howard. Absolutely. Uh, and I believe he's a, a Pro Bowl starter, correct? Yeah, I believe that's that, I believe that is correct. And he should be Lead, leading the league in interceptions. He's he's a. Uh, He's one of the premier cornerbacks in the National Football League. So well done to Xavier Howard. Uh, Laramie Tunsil found himself surprised that he didn't make the Pro Bowl. But, you know, I think that's it's one of those things that when your offense is as largely inefficient and inept as the Dolphins offense has been, it doesn't matter how well you've played on the offensive line. You're going to get overlooked in those situations. So I think that was just a byproduct of... Laramie Tunsil being part oh. of a fairly dysfunctional Miami Dolphins offense. Yeah, it's also a byproduct of of a flawed system because Laramie Tunsil has easily been one of the top three or four left tackles in the league this year. So, I mean, however the voting is done, I don't know. Is, is it still done primarily by by fan voting and then – and then coaches, or is it some permutation of of fans, yeah, no, there's, players? There's I, certainly I, the fan vote is an element of it, which you know, I, having the fans vote on which offensive linemen make the Pro Bowl seems pretty ridiculous to me. It's one I mean, of those, Laramie Tunsil hadn't given up a sack all year long until this last game. That's incredible. Yeah, in my opinion, the NFL offensive line. And which offensive linemen make the Pro Bowl should be decided sort of like how 
Major League Baseball decides which pitchers are going to go into the All-Star break. They don't let the fans make that decision. They let the coaches make that decision. And I think that should be how it works in the NFL. I mean, I think the Pro Bowl is ridiculous and stupid anyway for a number of reasons, but that's neither here nor there. Well, I think the Pro Bowl game is is stupid, but the but the honor and obviously like the honor has become watered down over the past few years because so many guys end up making the Pro Bowl because of other guys dropping out. And then they make it as like the first alternate, second alternate. And it's like, you know, (laughs) they were what, like the 13th or 14th best guy in their at their position. And they ended up making the Pro Bowl. And it's like, well, what does that really mean? It doesn't mean a whole lot. Yeah, well, it's ridiculous but, because now that the Pro Bowl is played the week before the Super Bowl, you have none of the players from the two best teams in the league. Well, the quote unquote two best teams in the league, none of those players can even play in the game. Right. And that doesn't bother me. That 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 aspect of it. I'm just saying from like a what does a Pro Bowl appearance mean as far as on your resume? But what I will say is that it still means something, you know, especially when you get there legitimately without being an alternate. And, you know, when you get named like first team all pro and second team all pro. And I realize that that's all done by the media. But that's where where I'm going with this is that, you know, we're at a day and age now where we have all these advanced metrics and we have all of these independent uh, you know, writers and bloggers and people who study the game, who watch hours upon hours upon hours of game film to break down every single player on the field on every single play. And these people, you know, I mean, there are people in the media that get paid to do this. There are people that, you know, uh, get paid to work for sites like Pro Football Focus or even ESPN or Football Outsiders. And, you know, the media are really the ones that that watch all of these games. They should have the vote. But I know that the whole thing is, well, you want it to be interactive with the fans. And then obviously you're always going to give the coaches some sort of vote because they know too. And they obviously watch game film. But coaches aren't watching game film on every team every week they're basically they're watching their opponents and they play uh you know 13 opponents over the course of the year because they play three teams twice so they don't see even a majority of the teams each season uh it's really it's the media that sees these people or that sees these teams and sees these players and is really able to best evaluate who are the pro bowl players and who aren't and so i really think that it should be the media that ultimately decides who makes the Pro Bowl and who doesn't. Because when you see a guy like Laramie Tunsil not make the Pro Bowl after a season that after the season that he's had, and I realize that there's a very strong likelihood that somebody's going to drop out and he's going to end up getting in as like an alternate. But it's really a travesty that he's not already on the team. I agree with that completely. And uh, I just, again, I... I want to emphasize that I think the Pro Bowl game is the worst all-star game in all of the four major professional sports in the United States. It's it's easily the worst. So, Did you know, I just read this, Okay, that Miami has now had a defensive player picked to the Pro Bowl for 21 consecutive seasons? That's pretty remarkable. 
And get this, in the team's 53-year history, they have had at least one representative in the Pro Bowl in all but two years. That's pretty pretty remarkable. Can you tell me what those two years are where they haven't had somebody in the Pro Bowl? Can't tell you off the top of my head. Literally just read it. Huh. Well, that's interesting. Well, but 21 years with a defensive player picked to the Pro Bowl. I mean, that's a pretty good has been pretty bad recently. (laughs) Yeah, especially in the last, you know, several years. The defense has been pretty weak. So remarkable that the Dolphins, even in the face of having on the – well, you know what that tells you. It tells you that the Dolphins have been in a coaching wasteland. No, what it tells you is, is that the Dolphins have had a flawed way of building their teams. Well, that too. Because that they've, too. what they've had really our entire lifetime, or at least the last 15 to 20 years, especially on the defensive side of the ball, is that they've had a handful of good players surrounded by absolute crap. You know, you've had your... You're, I mean, honestly, in the 90s and early 2000s, obviously, you had some very good defenses there with Jason Taylor and Zach Thomas and Sam Madison and Pat Sertan. Uh, you know, they had very good defense. You got Daryl Gardner, Tim Bowens. I mean, great defenses. Uh, but over the past, you know, I'd say 15 years, I mean, what you've generally had is you've had one or two stars and then just absolute crap. So, I mean, like, look at them the last few years. It's like, well, you've had Indomitian Sue, you know, so obviously Indomitian Sue is getting to the is getting to the Pro Bowl. This is a pretty uh, amazing way to sum up the Dolphins season and the past couple of decades of Miami Dolphins football. A handful of great players surrounded by absolute crap. Right. Go Dolphins. I think that's going to wrap us up. I, th- I don't know that there's a better way to wrap up the show than that. I agree. Where can the people find you? Can find me. Excuse me. I was taking a sip of my coffee. I didn't. I didn't uh, foresee that because I'm bad at this. Um, but you can find me on Twitter at Aaron the Brain, and I am on Twitter at Amplified to Rock. The show is on Twitter at Same Old Dolphins. Every episode of the Same Old Dolphin Show is available on DolphinsTalk.com. We are part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network, so make sure you are stopping at DolphinsTalk.com every day. For all of your Miami Dolphins content needs, we are also we have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash same old dolphins, where you can visit us and like us and, and, and comment on us and all that stuff. So check out the Facebook page. You can download, rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. We'd really appreciate you taking some time out of your holiday schedule to uh, write a quick review of the show on Apple Podcasts, leaving us a a five-star rating, even if we don't deserve it. We'd appreciate it if you left it to us. It'll, It'll help others find the show and increase this network of Miami Dolphin fans that we have. Every episode of the show is also available for uh, through Google Music or Google Play Music, excuse me, Stitcher, um, and SoundCloud as well. So follow us on all those services. And if there's somewhere else that you like to get your podcast that we are not available currently, uh, give us a holler, tweet at us, at same old dolphins, and we will try to remedy that situation. So let us know where you'd like to listen to your podcast. If we're not there, let us know and we can try to address that situation. That's going to wrap it up. So we will be back at some point after the game on Sunday to 
look back at the game and sort of take stock of where the Dolphins are in the playoff chase. They might still be alive with a shout. They might be eliminated. We don't know. It's up to the fates to decide. But once they have... We'll talk about it here on the same old Dolphin Show. So that's going to wrap us up for this episode. For Aaron the Brain, this is Amplified to Rock. This is Josh. Take care of yourselves and each other. We'll talk to you again next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Go Dolphin! Miami's got the Dolphins, the greatest of all teams. We take the ball from Gold Gold.